I'm Robin Amlo from IBS Intelligence, and I'm joined by Carrie O'Connor Colajay, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Authentics. And Carrie, in fact, congratulations because you have just become the Chief Executive Officer. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I have. So, what's the direction you're going to be taking the company in? Well, the Authentics, um, for those of you who don't know, is in the world of protecting customers' identities so that businesses can provide safer services. And the goal is to do that so that we can create a more inclusive and secure world. And the company, Robin, that many don't know, really started out in airport control and border security and was really on the cusp of enabling secure online boarding for banks, for institutions, uh, for the sharing economy, cryptocurrencies, et cetera. And so when we talk about the future, we really have to look at the trends um, that are transpiring, not just in identity verification and management, but fraud and cybersecurity and how we keep individuals' information safe while enabling a more connected and digitally dependent um, society. There's going to be me and then there's going to be digital me. I'm going to have a, a, a digital identity online as well as being me. Well, I mean, the, our belief, my belief is that you have to connect the physical and the digital identities to really understand who me is. I mean, there's ultimately only one of you, but we believe in a world where the identity or someone's identity is really adaptive to the context in which they're trying to verify themselves or the experience that they want to engage in or the access that they're trying to reach. So for an example, now, who I am when I go to work is still me, but the attributes around me change versus when I'm at home with my family. And so one of our objectives is to connect the, the physical me and the digital me so that you know, customers and companies can confidently connect and have those experiences that, that they want. Okay, first of all, let's get the elephant in the room out of the way. We live in a world that is in the grip of a pandemic. Are you seeing a huge acceleration in need, desire, requirement for a secure digital identity? Absolutely, without a doubt. And there's a couple of reasons that are driving that. One, every moment of everybody's life is now digitally dependent. Um, from the moment you wake up to you check your connected watch, to you get on for work, to you, you try to access food because you can't go to a restaurant and it needs to be delivered to your address. So with each one of those interactions, you know, there's information that's effectively being shared about who you are, what you like, and, and how you behave. In fact, I saw a stat the other day that said, right now, each of us have about 1,500 digital interactions every single day. So imagine every time you need to ensure that your information is protected and you verify who you are. And on the business front, um, there's more and more of it because we've got these endpoints of consumers opening up opportunities for fraudsters to enter into their digital ecosystem, businesses are seeing a 300% increase in fraud in general and are requiring the need and necessitating the need to ensure that each individual who's trying to connect with their brand is who they say they are. So it is absolutely without a doubt that the need for this type of service and a trusted service has grown exponentially over the last nine months. As the environment evolves, and you touched on some of these earlier on, there are different ways that we behave online now. There are new products, there are new financial services, even new financial instruments. There yeah. are emerging vulnerabilities as well. Absolutely. I mean, you, you said it's spot on that 
yes, this was about volume and magnitude of volume, but it also is about the vulnerabilities that are created each time we open up a connection with the connected worlds. And sometimes people aren't aware that they're doing that. Like looking at my Apple watch may seem somewhat simplistic and provides a service to me, but the information that is on there and then how that travels throughout the connected world actually can be problematic. And I'll share with you some recent things that I have been following that has been, you know, really staggering. You look at unemployment. I'll talk specifically about the U.S. So in the time of COVID, there was a CARE Act that was approved by the government. And the goal was to help people in need access money so that they could see their businesses throughout the storm of COVID and can survive. There's $26 billion in fraudulent claims that were submitted to the unemployment organization or agency. And, you know, typically this wouldn't be a honeypot for fraudsters and it wouldn't be an area to go after. But because there's been so much demand in the system that exists that is broken and has a lot of vulnerabilities, it's absolutely increased the opportunity for fraudsters to get it and not to just withhold money and support for people in need. But, you know, now you've got people who are spending this money on things that don't necessitate, you know, building a better society. And, and so that's, that's one example. I mean, there's a lot of other examples where we've now moved from financial crime to effectively misuse of technology and misuse of information. Twitter, for example, if you recall back a couple months ago that there was a breach and that some celebrities' accounts were taken over, I think Obama being one of them, and people were tr- tweeting out information that was you know, not reflective of Obama or tweeting out information about COVID and medical diagnoses and that stuff becomes really problematic, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't an issue years ago like it is today. What you're basically telling me is that, as is always the case, cybercrime is one step ahead. For me to make a judgment that, you know, we or anybody is ahead of the cyber criminals, I think would be inadequate. I mean, they are moving at a very fast pace. And one of the things we've been trying to do over the last few years is dispel this idea of it's an individual who is, you know, sitting in the basement in the closet with a hoodie on, you know, working in these kind of dark corners, you know, that are penetrating systems that they shouldn't. The reality is it's, they're circles, you know, fraudsters operate in circles and in consortiums and they work together around the world to find different areas of vulnerabilities. And sometimes it's not just, you know, the information that may be breached. Like recently there was a database that was compromised that had like 186 million people from the U S who vote. Like, one would ask, why would somebody want to breach that type of database? But it's how that information may be used by others, you know, in another area of the world to create some sort of financial crime. And so they're, they're absolutely moving at a speed that we have to continue to keep up. Now, I will say that what we have, what we believe is that we have to use the same techniques in order to fight them. So one of the things that we launched in this last year was a product platform called Instinct, which is effectively about fighting you know, synthetic fraud. And synthetic fraud is the fastest growing identity fraud around the world right now. And the reason why it is so hard to detect with, detect with a manual eye or with any type of automation. And so we've created a platform that looks at synthetic fraud and the patterns and abnormalities that allow us to detect it and then stop it. And this is, we're doing it as a consortium. We've built it so that brands could come together in an anonymous way um, in order to help each other actually stop crime at the door. 
Well, you mentioned the financial crime there, but it's not just about financial crime anymore, is it? No. This is reaching into all sectors of business. It, abs- it absolutely is. And that's what's been scary yet opportunistic, you know, through COVID, which is, you know, you've, you know, finance sector has been fighting financial crime and cybersecurity for years. Um, they've always managed their business based on risk and losses. And now all of a sudden overnight, you're seeing sectors that never had to even put these types of things into consideration. Healthcare being one of them, education be another one. I call it reliable content. So, you know, all of the social platforms that are delivering content that are supposed to be by an individual who's authenticated as that individual, but may or may not be education. You look at credentialing of somebody, you know, online, my, my husband's in the, in the scientific community. And so COVID was really front and center in our home base. And we would look at the medical advice that was being given, you know, across social platforms and, you know, we'd ask ourselves, like, is that person even certified to be given that type of medical advice? And so that's a misrepresentation. That's a crime. And these are just one or two examples of where it's moved way beyond financial crime to truly identity crime and impersonation that's creating havoc in our society. So it comes back down to the simple basic issue of creating a secure digital identity that proves me is me, that I am who I say I am. Absolutely. And it's it's for both businesses individual and business wanted to know that the person at the other end of the transaction is who they say they are. And individuals want to know that, you know, the business on the other end of the transaction is the business. And so it absolutely is about is this person who they say they are and does this person get access to the things or to the goods or to the services that they claim that they should get get access to? And how do we do that? Now that's the holy grail, Robin. I mean, look, if we had figured that all out now, you know, it wouldn't be a $42 billion problem, which it's been in in the last year. But I I do think it is about working together and partnerships. And, And at times when I say that, people think it's a little too altruistic, but you know, solving identity fraud and solving and fighting cybercrime is not just going to be one organization's remit. You know, there's a lot of different pieces to this puzzle. And when doing that, it's how do you bring the best and breed together to actually put the right fight up in front of those that are trying to create a world of distrust and, and untruths. Which is why you launched your product as a consortium. That's exactly it. Exactly it. We we know that not one company can do this alone. And, and we are in this really unique and interesting place where we've got some top brands and top platforms that we serve. And we recognize that, you know, our hypothesis is asking these brands to do something that they haven't done before, which is, you know, share signals of information. I won't say share information because it's all anonymized and it's, you know, it's all hashed, so it can't be decrypted. But doing that in a way where we can look at the patterns and the signals and the data to say, okay, company A over here, we saw this synthetic ID and company B and C over here, we, we saw it here. We're going to actually inform you before it penetrates your network. I read a stat the other day that said synthetic fraud is, loses on, I guess, synthetic fraud on average creates $15,000 in, in losses from any, any company. And you mo- start to multiply that, Robin, it's like, it's millions and billions of dollars to the bottom line of companies that is actually unnecessary and can be stopped. Barry O'Connor, Cola J of Authentics, thank you very much.